Welcome to Orange Soul, everybody. I am unbelievably pumped to have you here. We are excited to chat about communication, connection, and confidence. Heyo! I'd like to thank our sponsor, Reminisce Audio. If you'd like to record a podcast or an audio biography or interview someone, Reminisce Audio has your back. Head over to ReminisceAudio.com. Welcome, everybody, to Orange Soul. We are excited to have you, and I'm excited to introduce our guest, Chelsea Bowman. She is a licensed clinical social worker, and she has a passion for helping others. She has a master's degree in social work from the University of Utah with an emphasis in child welfare. She has experience working with people from all ages, life experiences, and cultures, and we are excited to have Chelsea here with us today. Thanks so much for being here, Chelsea. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. I'm fired up about this topic. So something that is really important is connection and how we create that. And so Mm -hmm. I would love to hear as we go through work experiences and personal experiences, how do we create healthy boundaries? Yeah, I think that's a really great question and something that we're definitely taught as children in our family cultures. Knowing that, I think it's important to look at why people typically don't set boundaries and where, I mean, we're learning that from our family environment. If you're in a home where somebody's always saying yes to everything, you're just going to innately learn that as a child, that you say yes when you're asked to do things and that you can't say no to something, which that's a boundary because it's a need that you have to create time for yourself. We don't have to do everything that makes sense. So I think maybe looking at ways that people and reasons people don't set boundaries to it. Yeah, let's unpack that because that's a really big deal. We need to understand why we set boundaries and why in the past we may have not set boundaries. So I would love to hear more about that. Four of the most common reasons that people don't set boundaries. Well, the first one is that they're afraid of hurting or disappointing others. It's hard to stick with a boundary once we set it. Then we also, the third is that we have feelings of guilt. And then the last would be just people struggle to actually communicate what their boundary is with another person. Where do you think the guilt is derived from? For most people, we often get into a headspace where we think that our needs don't matter. And we often feel like, well, we should do this. And shoulds really are just another person's needs that we feel like we should meet when really our needs are most important above anything else and we don't we shouldn't do anything for somebody else an example i can give you is one time i was at joanne's checking out and the coupon wasn't ringing up correctly and i could tell the cashier was getting annoyed with me and my sister because they're starting to become aligned to the point that the cashier is like looking at how much we'd actually save because his boss isn't coming or whatever so I started to feel guilty that I'm holding up all these people but then I thought no like I have a need for you to actually make that coupon work because yes it's only three dollars but that's a crumble cookie (laughs) those are important so my guilt was about him and what his need was and it obviously is a balance where we can't be well I don't even want to say selfish because I think that could confuse people but we obviously have to be attentive to other people's needs but first attentive to our own needs so I think that is typically where the guilt comes from is people lacking that thought that they matter and that their needs matter right well and I've always been taught that we need to stop shooting all over ourselves Mm -hmm. so it's important to have that balance it's important to recognize what we need and to be self-aware enough to take an inventory of what are my needs what are the other person's needs and what's the difference between need must have 
and should. So there are lots of ways that we can do self check-ins. And so I think removing that guilt by being self-aware, your example is prime because Mm -hmm. how often have we been in a grocery store or a convenience store and something isn't going right? I had the same experience at Maverick. Don't worry, I go 365 (laughs) days a year to Maverick. And for whatever reason, my card wasn't working. And I thought, I literally come here every day to get my drink. And how is my card not working? So I actually called my credit card vendor and they said that it was an error on the, the merchant account. And so I was like... Good. It's not me, but you better believe I'm getting my points. Right. Understanding the shoulds in our lives makes a big difference. So how would you suggest that we set those healthy boundaries? What does that look like? First, developing that relationship with yourself that you can recognize those needs. Because I think even me, probably 15 years ago, I would have just walked away and let that money slide, even though it was $3. But again, that's a crumble cookie or, you know, that $3 that adds up over time. And I can be respectful of mine need. And I can also be respectful of the cashier's need that he likely was feeling anxious that his line was building up. So I didn't choose to yell at him or get mad at him. I just was polite and just said, you know, well, we'll, you know, we can wait for her, your manager to come. So I think it's developing that relationship with yourself that you know what your needs are so that you know what boundaries you need to be setting would be the first step. Oh yeah. We have to know ourselves in order to help other people understand what our boundaries are Mm -hmm. and we're beings of evolution too so our boundaries may change over time and being able to articulate and share what those boundaries look like and feel like are going to be critical and it's not just a one-stop hey this is my boundary make sure that you don't cross that line because we're all beings of evolution we're constantly growing constantly learning and being able to communicate that is huge especially being self-aware enough to articulate that and share that. What are my needs now? What are my boundaries now today? Because they might be different than they were yesterday or two years ago or two days ago, whatever that may be. We're constantly growing. Mm -hmm. Well, I like that you say that too, because boundaries are the same way. I think we often think of boundaries um, as a fence where they're laid in stone, they're contracts of blood or whatnot, but they're not. They can be very moving and moving with us as we develop too, as our values change, as we change. But um, a boundary that we may set in one situation, we may not need to set in another situation. Um, boundaries don't always have to be rigid. In fact, rigid boundaries, I think, stop connection most of the time. Um where obviously having more porous boundaries set you up for other things. So just having a healthy balance of being able to ebb and flow with it. And everybody's relationship is going to be different. I mean, my boundaries with, say, my parents versus my siblings versus my best friend versus a colleague, they're all going to be different and they're all going to be fluid. And what's appropriate in those relationships starts with us. It starts with our self-awareness and where our boundaries are. So I appreciate you sharing that. Mm -hmm. When people test our boundaries, what are some ways we can navigate those interactions in a healthy way? Because inevitably, our boundaries are going to be pushed and we need to understand how to navigate that in a healthy way. What, what would you suggest? So I would first I go back to those four things that people typically don't set boundaries for. Um, but also being aware of what expectations you're putting on yourself for when somebody's pushing that boundary, if that makes sense. So, for example, going back to the Joanne situation when he was pushing my boundary of like, you need to make this coupon work. Um 
I then went into this headspace of I need to be accommodating for everybody. I need to make things flow. And that's an expectation I often put on myself that I just need to be accommodating and easy to work with, which I can still be accommodating and hold somebody to do their job, right? And so knowing that that was the expectation I put on myself helped me to set that boundary with the cashier. Again, not being rude or disrespectful to him, but just saying, yeah, we can wait for your... um, manager to get here. So I think just knowing, yeah, what expectations you're putting on yourself. So some things that I think typically come up for people is again, that I don't want to hurt people's feelings, being scared that somebody won't like them, I think is a common one that comes up for people. Um, another one that I often see with people is that they feel like the person won't be able to do it without them kind of that savior mentality. I have to do this because if I don't do this, everything's going to fall apart or I'm the only one that knows how to do it when most of the time that's not true. And if that is true, it's probably still not true, but you know, just <laughs> challenging that expectation you're putting on yourself. Cause if you think you are the savior in that situation, no, nobody takes that role for anybody else. You take that role for yourself in meeting your own needs, not wanting to upset people um, I, know, I think another common one that we often hear is, well, I'm just going to be the bigger person and just let this slide or not be dramatic or, you know, we put those labels on different things when um, I do think there's something to be said about being the bigger person, but I think the way that often gets taken or the reason people are doing it is more in a passive way and not not necessarily speaking up for what they needed or for what they thought was right in that situation. How do people be the bigger person while also saying what they need? I would say first, just practicing. For example, I think oftentimes we will say, like when we're picking out a movie, people will say, oh, I don't really care what movie I want to watch. Nine times out of ten, people do care, right? Or at least they have a preference over what they care about. So even just speaking up in those situations with people you know are safe that you can trust, if if setting boundaries was easy, we wouldn't have to do it because typically people who you need to set boundaries with are going to be hard to set boundaries with because they need the boundary. But people who aren't going to be hard to set boundaries with are always going to respect what you have to say. Or for the most part, they're always going to respect what you have to say. So just even taking that opportunity of, you know, I would really like to watch Pitch Perfect and not The Quiet Place tonight. (laughs) (laughs) Two opposite movies, but just sharing your opinion just gives you that practice that you can start to notice what your boundary is. But in those situations where you're feeling like you have to be the bigger person, when that comes up and is trickier you've had all this practice of these little things of saying you know i'd actually prefer a donut over ice cream tonight for our dessert let's go do that gives you that opportunity to start knowing what your needs are and knowing even why you feel the need to be the bigger person what was triggered for you and what you would even need to say to that person to not walk away in a passive way so That's huge. That is a huge deal. And it all comes back to self-awareness. What are our needs and what is driving us to behave the way that we are? Is it because we want to avoid the conflict? Is it because we want to save face? Is it because we just don't want to ruffle feathers? What is it? What is causing us to act the way that we are with other people? And figuring that out takes time and investigation and trial and error and practicing with people that know us and expressing that, hey, I want to try and build up my confidence on building boundaries and Mm -hmm. so I'm gonna I'm gonna test this out with you is Mm -hmm. that okay 
boom, you're already setting up a boundary. Exactly. Exactly. Hello. I'm about that. Yeah. Because if, you know, say like previous roommates or, you know, your living situation, whatever it may be, you can talk to whoever you're living with, whether that's a partner, a spouse, roommates, or maybe you're living alone. Mm-hmm. Whatever it may be, you can practice anywhere right. to build that confidence with people that you trust. I think that's fabulous. How does empathy play a critical role in creating meaningful connections? Because empathy is a big buzzword going around, and I think it's critical. And I would love to hear how it it, it plays the role. Yeah, I would completely agree. I think empathy is also a sign of emotional maturity in a lot of ways Um, when you can recognize what another person is going through. Um, In my time as a therapist that oddly, or not oddly, that shockingly has been a hard thing for a lot of my clients that I've been surprised at how often I've had to teach that skill. So, and I think once I've watched um, my teenagers mostly gain that skill, I, I think it really does show a sign of emotional maturity that they can have their emotions and recognize somebody else's as well. So as far as creating connection, I think it's crucial in creating connection because it's that emotional intelligence that you can recognize somebody else's needs and be, but be able to stay in your own self and not abandon what you have going on as well. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. Being able to honor who you are and what you need while also honoring and respecting the dignity of another person Mm -hmm. and recognizing that. What is it that they need? What is it? How can I alleviate some pressure points? Or are you having an off day? Do you want a listening ear? Because I'm happy to listen. Mm -hmm. As we interact with others, what are some things we can do to be more empathetic and and understanding? Mm -hmm. That's a great question. I think one thing that I try and do is to find the human parts of another person. So there's a researcher named Kristen Neff who all she does is research self-compassion and she created a triangle that represents how self-compassion is built. One of the corners of the triangle is common humanity, which is that idea that when that when you're going through something that anybody else in that same situation would feel the exact way you are. So an example she often gives is when you see somebody who's homeless, the majority of us have never been homeless and will likely not experience that. But when we see them, there's this automatic compassion that we have for them. Um, And I think when she described that in this training I went to of hers, it was this moment where it kind of clicked for me that that's what empathy is about and that's what connection is about, that when your mom or your friend or your coworker vents to you about something that you're like, this is the dumbest thing in the world. I understand why you're venting about this. But, But at the same time, taking a step back and recognizing that that's their reality and that's what's going on for them and having that empathy and that common humanity and recognizing their, their need that, yeah, they're frustrated because Joe keeps stealing all the pens and so they don't have any pens at work and granted, could they go buy their own pens at Walmart? Yes, but that's also really frustrating for them. And that's something that probably would be frustrating for you too if you had to work with Joe because there's probably other little weird things that Joe does that you're not hearing about. And so just being able to have that shared humanity because you've got something probably at your work where you 
or maybe short on paper one day. And that was frustrating, if that makes sense. So, yeah, it's taking that step back and leaning in with a lens of curiosity instead of a lens of judgment and allowing the other person to express themselves in a safe spot. We don't necessarily have to agree with it and we don't necessarily have to fuel the fire. It's important for us to lean in with that lens of curiosity. So thank you for sharing that. Mm -hmm. How do boundaries and empathy complement each other? I think they complement each other really well. So another researcher I love is Brene Brown, and she talks about how being clear is kind. And she also talks about how when we set boundaries, it's more loving. And when I first heard her say that, I was like, she is full of crap right now. I never (laughs) thought that about Brene Brown, but I for sure thought that in that moment. But then as she explained it more, I thought she's completely right. But having boundaries is more loving because if somebody asks me to move on a Saturday, but I've had a a horrible week from work or it's not going to fit in my schedule really well or something like that. Saying yes is a should that I should help them because that's the kind thing that society says that I should do because I have a free Saturday morning, but it's going to be more kind of me to not help them because then I'm not going to sit there and bash on them or say how awful it was to give my Saturday up or be so ungrateful that I spent all that time doing that. I should go help them because I genuinely want to help them move, not because I feel like I should do that because I'm not meeting anybody's need at that point. I'm just going to be a grump dump helping <laughs> them move all morning. So that's how I think they go together because I think we're giving empathy towards ourselves and towards them and meeting our needs and meeting their needs and they can find somebody else to help them move or I could offer them money to go find if I haven't but that might be fall into a should actually (laughs) I'd have to evaluate that but you know you could offer other another solution at that point if somebody else they could ask or you could offer to come if it worked in your schedule if you wanted to right you could offer to help them unpack some boxes a different day or something. Right. It's having that emotional intelligence of where am I at? Is this going to be beneficial for both parties? Because if I'm going to go serve grudgingly, that's awful. It's terrible for everybody. And you can sit there and you can put on a face like, this is so great. I'm so glad I get to move your microwave. Said no one ever, right? Like we have to be in the right headspace of, I am so grateful that I get to be here today and alleviate some of this pressure. And it's okay to say no, Mm -hmm. no, thank you is a complete sentence. Mm -hmm. It's okay to say no. In fact, it's super healthy to say no. And letting them know that you care about them and you'd love to help them in another time or in another capacity, whatever that looks like for you and your circumstances, it's important to say no. And sometimes we feel like we have to rationalize or validate why we're saying no Mm -hmm. when we don't have to give an explanation. Mm -hmm. There's no need to give an explanation when we can simply say, no, thank you. Mm-hmm. I'd love to help in another capacity. Right. But again, I think that goes back to what you learned in your childhood, if that makes sense, and what was shaped for you, if that makes sense, that you learned what expectations to put on yourself. So my little, I have a little niece who really wanted to go see Frozen and she had decided that I was going to take her when I had never told her I was going <laughs> to take her, but she's four. And so she just started going around saying, um, they all call me giggles. And so she went to Frozen and how cool that she feels confident enough to ask me to take her to Frozen. I love that she wants to do that. And so then it was interesting to watch all the adults around me shift that and stop 
stopped putting a label on it for Lucy. And then all of a sudden, they all wanted to come too. And it became this big family event to take Lucy to Frozen, which was awesome. But that's how, in a sense, that we're, we're shaping for her that it's okay for her to speak her mind and say what she wants if that makes sense. And yes, would it have been better for Lucy to say, Giggles, will you take me to Frozen instead of Giggles is taking me to Frozen? (laughs) Yes, but she's four. And so that was great that she even set a boundary in a way and expressed her need that she wanted me to take her. And that's so great that you were able to reframe it in a way that it can shift the entire experience for everybody around you. Mm -hmm. And being able to take that curiosity Instead of the lens of judgment of, I can't believe Lucy would just tell me I'm taking her. It's, right. That's her way. And she's darling, for the record. She is like she's one of the most cutest looking. <laughs> darling little girls I've ever met. And so she she's just a spitfire and she loves life and she just wants to spend it with people who love her. And she obviously was so enthusiastic about you taking her to Frozen because she feels comfortable with you. There's a boundary that you guys have created and set mm-hmm. and an expectation of of love of hey lucy i love you so much let's go to frozen together that's mm-hmm. a great way you know like what an awesome experience mm-hmm. for both for everybody everybody got to see you in action they got to see you setting boundaries for everybody else too mm-hmm. hey this is how lucy talks because she doesn't have the vernacular quite yet to articulate what she's trying to say i'm going to help everybody in the room shift and reframe what that looks like. Yeah. I think it's the same when a little kid hits another kid for taking their toy. Granted, do I want to reinforce hitting? No. But that's the best way that child knows how to say, I'm mad that you took my toy. And so my job as the adult is to obviously recorrect the the hitting, but to help them learn the words to say, I'm mad that you took my toy and help them recognize that need in themselves that they can set that boundary later on to not have somebody do that even as they grow, as we grow up, you know, as we keep getting bigger. Yeah, it's huge. And I think the analogy of the kids hitting, that can be set in any type of environment. What are we allowing or who are we allowing to, quote unquote, hit us for taking their toy? Are we aware that we took their toy? Mm -hmm. Whatever that toy may be, are we aware of what we're doing and how we're interacting with others and other people's needs and our needs? So with that analogy in mind, how... How can we set up healthy boundaries and show empathy in the workplace? That's a great question. Um, so I think the first thing would be to go through these set of, sets of questions. So asking yourself these three questions. Why don't I like this dynamic? What do I need? And then to be transparent about that need. So a way that could look in the workplace is if somebody asks you to help them with a project that would cause you to stay later. So I don't know about anybody else listening to this, but I hate staying later typically from work because I really would like to get home, even if it's just to veg out on the couch. So if somebody asks me to stay later and that strikes something within me that either could be really positive or really negative, I need to analyze both of those. One, why do I feel really positive? about staying? Is that because um, that's going to help me with my job or I feel positive about connecting with this peer? Is it fulfilling a need of mine that I want to get met? Or do I feel really irritated by this? What's making me feel irritated by this? Is it because I feel like this coworker can never pull their weight? Is it because I feel like I'm constantly rescuing this coworker? Which again, those are lots of those expectations. Do I, do I think I'm the savior in this situation? 
because nobody's the savior in this situation. Also, if this coworker never pulls their weight and I feel like I always have to come in and um, save them, I'm only reinforcing that behavior for them to not pull their weight. So I also need to look at that and what need that's fulfilling of mine to come in and pull the weight for them um, because it likely is fulfilling a need. And then when I decided what need I'm fulfilling in those situations to be transparent about that. So if I'm feeling positive about it and feeling okay to stay um, and seeing it as a way to build connection and whatnot to say, yeah, I'd love to stay. But then if it's the opposite of, you know what, I don't want to stay. I feel like I'm always pulling the weight for you to be transparent about that. But obviously in a kind, assertive way um, that you could set that expectation and setting those expectations are, are huge. And it's okay, again, to say, no, thank you. Right. It is. They're great words. <laughs> it's a complete sentence. No, thank you. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the offer. I'm leaving. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I'll see you later. <laughs> I, think that's, I think that's huge. Boundaries are more kind. Boundaries truly are more kind. And for people who struggle with setting boundaries, which I think at some point in art in everybody's lives, we struggle with recalibrating our boundaries. What advice would you have for them? I think at one point that was me. And I think um, that's something we all will continually work on, on setting boundaries because boundaries are not rigid and they're always growing because we're growing. So the biggest advice I would give somebody is really just to get to know themselves and to get to know why you're not setting those boundaries. Um, as a therapist, I started in residential. And so when I switched to just doing outpatient, it was really tricky for me to schedule clients because I predominantly work with kids and teens. And when school started back up, they all wanted after school times. And I started to switch a few of them to times that I was working later than I preferred. And it was really interesting to me that I did that and to then start reflecting on why I did that. Um, and went against that boundary that I had with myself, because if we can't set boundaries and hold boundaries with ourselves, then we, we're not going to be able to hold them with others. And once I was able to recognize what it was that was causing me to do that, I've never gone back on that with anybody again. I've always held to that this is what time I stopped working at. And I, I'm, I'm a firm believer that if people want to work with me, they'll work in my schedule. As if I want to go work with a therapist, I have to work in their schedule too. That's just kind of how it works. And people have always respected that. And when we respect ourselves enough to hold that boundary, people will follow suit, if that makes sense. Oh, absolutely. And when another person sees someone holding a boundary, it simultaneously gives them the permission to hold their own boundaries too. Mm-hmm. Of I respect myself and I respect you and this is the boundary and we have a relationship that we're building, whether that's professional or personal, that we have to constantly be putting in those trust deposits into that bank account. Mm-hmm. And part of those trust deposits are boundaries and what those look like and what they feel like and correcting people, making sure that things are on the right page. And setting boundaries to me is critical because I need to give people real-time feedback 80% of the time. If we give people feedback 80% of the time, 
we're going to be able to have a much richer, deeper relationship with others because we're course correcting as we go. It's not this avoid, avoid, explode. Mm -hmm. And the other 20%, there might be things where we're so shocked or we're just out of our groove and we need time to process and that's totally fine and fair. Welcome to being human. Right. And I think that the 80%, the 80-20 rule can be applicable in our boundaries and making sure that we're keeping up with that because it's respectful and kind to correct people at least 80% of the time. Do you have any last words of wisdom for us, Chelsea? No, I would just say to continue to get to know yourself, to hold boundaries with yourself, meaning that if you say, this is my budget, to stick to that. If you say, I'm going to work out today, to stick to that, to hold those boundaries with yourself and to just start small. Don't take off more than you can chew. Start with people who you know and perceive to be safe and keep building up and when you don't feel like you've succeeded to take that as a time to be curious and just get to know why you didn't feel like you succeeded in that situation. If I would have taken that situation of transitioning completely different work environments and just said, well, I stink at this and I can't, I clearly just can't hold boundaries in, boundaries and outpatient. That would have been really unfortunate for a lot of reasons, but instead I just took it as an opportunity to be curious and to learn more about myself and to grow my relationship with myself, which I think has only helped me to deepen my relationship with my family and my friends and honestly with my clients as well and to continue to help them beautiful i love it stay curious i think that's huge chelsea thank you so much for being here today i really appreciate it and thanks for having me it's been a delight absolute delight stay curious my friends To get the download on our guest today, head on over to myorangesoul.com and be sure to check out our sponsor, Reminis Audio at reminisaudio.com. Peace and blessings, my friends. Stay rad.